Father in heaven, we thank you for the words to that song that reminds us of your great sovereignty and care and that you indeed are our vision. So Lord, as we continue to gather together in worship, we pray now for your word. We pray now that it would touch hearts, that it would speak into the lives of people, that we would not leave this place without in one way or another being drawn ever closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, we commit this morning to you and by your spirit, Lord, I pray that you would indeed touch hearts and lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, we're, we're continuing a series, um, Wisdom by the Book, where we're looking at the Bible, what the Bible teaches about wisdom. And um, as, as we're getting into this series and as, uh, you know, getting into... Um, this particular topic this morning. This topic is going to be a little bit controversial. Can I just say that right up there? No? Okay? All right? Now, I've stood up here on this platform many, many, many times and talked about the power of hope. And especially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I think it's the one thing that's never taking away from us. No matter how life and no matter what life throws at us, we always are people of hope. That is the one ingredient that we never lose, okay? So it's, it's, it's powerful, it's encouraging, it's, it's I, I, again, I think it's reserved only for true believers, okay? That's, that's my, my content. Um, but here's, here's the one downside to hope, if I, could, if I could say that. Hope is not a really good strategy for life, Okay? It's, it's not, um, you know, we, we can hope, but what the Bible teaches us is that, you know, we need to, you know, live our lives in a way that generates that hope, that, that allows us to live that hope in a very real way, you know. And the wisdom books and the Bible, you know, overall talks about many practical ways that we can make a difference not only in our own lives, but a difference in the world around us in very, very practical ways. Now, why I think this particular topic is so controversial this morning is because I think it is the one ingredient that we are missing in the world today that's communicated through the wisdom books very, very clearly. And I think without it, it's one of the reasons why Many of us feel the world is becoming not a better place, but a worse place. Like if you feel like, you know, we're going into the toilet faster than anything else, I think this is the one ingredient that we are missing in the world. That's, okay, so that's pretty controversial um, today. And here's, here's the discipline that I think we have lost as a culture and as a society. And again, it's going to be controversial and you're going to be able to push back on this, but I think the one ingredient that we're missing is the ability to really listen to one another. Okay? All of you, me included, all of us, are very subjective in who we hear, are very subjective in who we listen to. 
And that subjectivity, I think, limits our ability to listen well to what is really happening and what's really going on. In fact, you know, I, I believe that you will never see another person fully until you hear them fully. And right now, we're in, a, in an age of cancel culture, right? If I don't like what you say, I can just cancel you out. I can just not listen to you. I can just set you aside. And how many times have you heard about how to treat a toxic person, okay? Or, you know, how to, how to deal with arguments and all that kind of stuff. How many of you realize that we all have a confirmation bias to certain information? Social media actually... Uh, works in that direction. If you have a confirmation bias where you, you feel this way about a particular topic, you know, the algorithms in social media will send you more articles that just confirm the bias that you hold to. And that's kind of like the world we live in. So if you dislike this particular, you know, movement or, or anything, whatever it is, you're going to get more material sent in your social media to support your bias of disliking that particular thing where what you should really be getting is an opposing view. Okay? And that's just the world that we, we, we live in. Um, you know, I don't know, in, in the 20 plus years that I've been a pastor, I, I've joked about this many times. I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me during counseling or, or talking one-on-one, -on -one, I wish I was just heard. All I wanted to do was be heard. Okay? And it's, that's, that's code language, right? It's not that you want people to hear you. You want people to understand your position or why you feel the way you do or what are the reasons that brought you to that conclusion. So listening is really, really important, really important. So I'm going to read a few passages and we're going to kind of dive into this particular topic because listening, okay, and I understand that we have, you know, certain people or certain situations that we just won't tolerate listening to or all that stuff. But maybe our ability or our tendency towards not listening is actually hurting us more than we admit. And today I'm hoping to just convince you to maybe learn to listen a little bit more than you were before. Okay, here are the passages. First one is Proverbs 12, 15. And I love this. It says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered. Oh, <laughs> that just took me out. Um, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Okay, here's the next passage out of Proverbs 18, 1. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Now, I'm going to give us a little bit of background, especially for the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, um, because in Jewish circles in the Old Testament, the terminology to hear or to listen was really powerful because it had all this theological weight behind it. 
If you looked at Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. Okay? And then the passage goes on to explicate that, that, that beautiful understanding of what it means to listen. The prophets in the Old Testament would say, Hear, O Israel, the word of the Lord. And it prompted a Jewish person when they had that terminology that you better pause because this is really important and you better listen and you better take it in and you better meditate on this and you better understand it and you better, you know, you better, you know, make it part of your life because God's not wasting words on you because he just wants to talk. There's something important that God is going to say and you need to listen. It's called the Shema, by the way. If you ever hear Hebrew ter terminology of the Shema, it is the word in Hebrew for hear or listen. So listen, O Israel. Um, do you know, how many of you, how many of you have ever heard um, that there's 365 uh, phrases in the Bible of do not fear? Okay? How many of you know that that's not true? I don't know how that ever started, but... If any of you know any of the languages, there's no such thing as 365 phrases that say do not fear in the Bible. Okay? Sorry. Okay? I think, I think the best I ever got was 40. All right? But did you know, but did you know that there are 4,021 verses in the Bible that says listen? What do you think is more important? Okay? Hear, listen. Here are, here are two points I want to bring up right away. Listening, at least biblically, is primarily for understanding and is an act of showing love to another. Okay? We why, why do we listen? We listen to answer. Okay? We listen to give an opinion. We listen to, you know, to counter what somebody is saying. Do we really listen to understand? Do we really listen to at least get some kind of comprehension of what it is that that person is trying to say? Or are we listening? And, and how many of us, oh, yeah, listen, I haven't mastered this yet. I have not mastered this yet, okay, uh, you know, but I've had to mentally say to myself, okay, or, or how many of you realize that as you're listening to the person, you're already formulating how you're going to answer, okay? Right away, you're just, you're just shutting down the potential of listening fully to what that person says. And by the way, I'm trying to even learn body language. I'm trying to learn body language because supposedly 90% of a person's body language is, is part of the communication, even more so than what they're actually saying. So how many of us pay attention to body language, pay attention to what they're actually saying, or paying attention as to, you, you know, the mechanisms behind why they believe or why they're treating this particular situation the way they are? Okay? Right? Here's, here's why understanding is so important. Understanding is going to lead us to making better decisions, have a better outlook, and better answers, while at the same time growing in us compassion and empathy. 
growing in us compassion and empathy. If we don't fully understand why somebody is holding a position they're holding, we can't be compassionate or empathetic to that particular position. And by the way, let's, let's get this out in the open. This is not about agreeing with people. This is not about learning to understand so you can totally agree with them. It's, it's a shame that we can't dialogue about some really important things that are happening in the world and not be able to walk away and just say, I disagree with you, but I still love you. I still care about you. Okay, that's the ugly part of cancel culture. We can't even have the talk. We can't even have the dialogue because everything's just shut down and you walk away. And no wonder, you know, without, without this ability to dialogue, no wonder people continue in a, in a spiral of hate and ugly rhetoric. Because if they're never being heard, why, why wouldn't you just dislike what is going on? Because what other option do you have? Okay, so it's not about agreement, you know, right? Um, you know, I've, I've joked about this many times. I remember coming to Canada and, you know, and because I grew up in a Greek family and we just screamed at everybody all the time. That was just a family, you know, you come to dinner, you know, you know hands flying all over the place. And yeah, you know, I'm making all this stuff. And then you'd walk away and we all loved each other. And it's like, okay, Donna, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Right? That's the way it was. I come to Canada and it's like, oh, nobody wants to argue. Everybody's saying sorry all the time for stuff they should never be sorry for. <laughs> and it's like, sorry, I'm okay. <laughs> the Greek insulting all the Canadians right here, you know, right now, okay? But you know, but you know what I mean? We're just too polite and stuff. And, and it's like we lose this opportunity to dialogue. I remember like, you know, even with my own parents, it'd be like, we'd be duking it out and, you know, and, and, you know, and then my mom would tuck me in, kiss my forehead and say, I love you. <laughs> and everything would be, you know, okay. But we just disagreed. And we could, and we still respected one another for the opinions that we had. Why? Because we were allowed to voice them. We know we had been heard, and it wasn't about agreeing. It was about knowing that at least I'm understood. At least I'm understood. Do you know that Proverbs 18.13 says this? The person who answers before they understand is a fool. The person who answers before they understand is a fool. And the room just went, wow. That's a really cool verse. I think I, think I, I, I decided this week I was going to put that in my office. Because I think that's a really powerful verse. Okay? If you answer before you understand, that's... Let's just say that's not good. Okay? Now, I came across a really fascinating article um, by Adam Grant. If you know who he is, um, 
He's a really well-known organizational psychologist, and he's a best-selling author. He just recently wrote an article in The Guardian, and I was really fascinated by it because you know how you're, you're preparing the sermon, and all of a sudden this stuff just shows up and just happens to you know, coincide beautifully? I think that's the Spirit of God, by the way. Coincides beautifully with what you're going to talk about. Well, he's, he begins the article by talking about um, arguing with a friend for nine months over the topic of vaccines, okay? He brought it up, not me, okay? Topic of vaccines, nine months they argued over vaccines. He said that one day his friend said something that really caught him off guard as they were arguing back and forth about, about this thing. He says, we've argued more in the past year than we've spoken totally in the preceding decade. And then he ended that phrase by saying, and I love it. <laughs> Which really threw him back, you know, because he realized that he was thoroughly enjoying, thoroughly enjoying the dialogue that they were having. Thoroughly enjoying. He admitted that, you know, he thought all this argumentation was going to pull them apart. What it actually did is actually drew them closer together drew them closer together. And instead of closing their minds to each other, it actually opened up their minds. They admitted that they were wrong at times, which I think part of the dialogue is really powerful here. When you know you're being heard, you feel safe to say, you know, maybe I was wrong. Nobody, when you're not dialoguing, no one ever feels safe to say they're wrong. And he said they admitted they were wrong at times, but they found that they had harmony on other matters. Because the vaccine things is a, is a big topic. It's not just black and white. It's not, to, you know, there's a lot of gray areas. And they realized that at certain parts of the argumentation, they actually agreed. Okay? I love, you know, I've got this long quote. I'm going to read it because, you know, this is what he says as, as part of it. He says, in our polarized world, a productive disagreement is a rare occurrence. Research shows that the average person, oh, this is scary, would rather talk to a stranger who shares their political views than a friend who doesn't. Wow. Is, can we say ouch? Ouch. That's an ouch. Okay? No? He says that's a travesty. As an organizational psychologist and recovering conflict avoider, I love that. How many of us are recovering conflict avoiders, right? We just so, so get that, okay? I spent years studying how to build our argument literacy. Arguing well is a skill set, but it's heavily influenced by your mindset. A good debate, I love this. This last line really just struck me. A good debate isn't about one person declaring victory. It's about both people making a discovery. Isn't that beautiful? Okay? I'll leave that up for a second so you want to take pictures and, you know, put it on your wall or something. That last line is absolutely invaluable. Okay? He goes on to say the following too, all right? Um, and I don't particularly agree with all of this, okay? But this is the next part that he says. In, in disagreements, too many of us think like preachers. 
prosecutors or politicians. In preacher mode, you're trying to proselytize your views. Well, I guess. All right. Okay. Moment of disagreement. <laughs> right. Okay. But don't, don't lose this point, though. He's talking about in disagreements. He's not talking about what happens when we disagree, that we go into these modes. It's not about understanding. It's like right away we go into these modes. That's the point he's really making. He's not, he's not hating me for being a preacher, okay? He's just talking about the mode we get into, okay? In preacher mode, you're trying to proselytize, proselytize your views. In prosecutor mode, you're attacking someone else's. And in politician mode, you don't even listen to the people unless they already share your views, okay? I'd rather be a preacher any day than a politician. Okay. There's some pretty, you know, powerful quotes from a person whose livelihood is about people. Okay. How many of you have ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Okay. Really important person in the history of Christianity. But he wrote a book uh, or, or, you know, on life together. It's, it's a book about community. And this is what he writes. This is another long quote, and I know I'm doing long quotes here, but here's another long quote. He said, the first service one owes to others in the community involves listening to them. That for him, as part of the community, that's the first service that we owe. Just as our love for God begins with listening to God's word, the beginning of love for other Christians is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us God's word, but also lends us God's ear. We do God's work for our brothers and sisters when we learn to listen to them. So often Christians, especially preachers, again, this is anti-preacher day, I think. I, you know, I don't know. Especially preachers think that their only service is always to have to offer something when they are together with other people. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people seek a sympathetic ear and do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking even when they should be listening. Even for Bonhoeffer, that was the first service that we could give to one another, is to listen. Here's another quote before we go. Hugh Mackey, um, you know, years ago wrote, uh, Why Don't People Listen? And that's, this is the quote from him. When we listen, we are being remarkably generous. We are offering the other person the gift of understanding, the gift of acceptance, even if not agreement, even at that time we realize agreement, the gift of taking the other person seriously. Okay? So I, I think if we want to make the world a better place, what we have to do first and foremost is listen. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot to understand. Now, I'm, you, know, uh, you know, I struggled with this next slide, but, but this next slide is all the different ways that we could be better at, um, at listening. 
some of the basic skills we need to adopt. Things like eye contact, smiling, nodding, leaning forward slightly, perhaps not, perhaps getting rid of our cell phone. That's, isn't that the hardest habit? Isn't that the hardest habit? It's, it's like we're on crack. Okay? Unfortunately, we're all addicted, and it's, and it's like crack. Okay? Um, so our cell phones are actually hurting us from listening to others. Okay? Ask probing questions. That, that you know... You know, we have counselors in this room, and they're probably going, oh, John, you missed a really important one, and all this stuff. Okay, I, I, probably, I probably, send me an email and tell me what I missed, okay? I'm happy to, happy to learn more, absolutely. But, you know, ask probing questions. Make the person realize that you've actually heard them. Okay? And how can I help? How can I make a difference? All of that stuff. Now, I realize not everybody deserves the kind of listening sometimes. And I know that's the pushback that people are going to bring, okay? But isn't it true that we're probably shutting down more than we should? And we need to be better. And I, I think that's one of the gifts that Christianity can bring to the world is that we are people that understand. That we may have a different opinion, see the world in a different way, but at least we understand. Okay? Now, I'm going to turn this whole thing around. Okay? Could our inability to listen well to others also mean that we have difficulty listening to God? Are there times where our listening to God is hampered by the very things that stop us from listening to another person properly. Maybe our busy schedules, maybe our cell phones, maybe our schedules are such where we don't take time for God on a regular basis. And we're missing out hearing the voice of God because we think our lives have to be packed from top to bottom with busyness. Because often, hearing God is where the most growth happens spiritually. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 15, he's talking about the people as, 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 as they're, you know, talking about um, to the crowds. And then the disciples came to him and said, why do you... Why do you talk in parables? Like, why do you, you know, make all these stories and talk? And he says, because the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And I've said many, many times, this is the passage where I say, you will never reach a person's heart if you can't get past their ears. And then Jesus goes on to say, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because 
to hear. Jesus realized there are people that have hardened their hearts so much that, you know, it's blinded them and it's made them deaf to the, to the, the voice of God. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. There's that foolish terminology again. Just like a person who builds a house on sand. So with that, we're going to enter into our communion time. As that's kind of like the introduction that we brought. And that's the focus today is that are we hearing God? Are we focusing our lives to listen to the voice of God? Now, before we enter into communion, I want to just take a minute of silent reflection and silent pause, okay? And I want you to investigate your heart, okay? If you're not a believer here this morning and, 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 and maybe you've been talking or, or dialoguing with your inner heart about maybe coming to faith is the next step in your life and you feel the Spirit of God moving you in that direction, wouldn't it be great to celebrate communion, your first communion, as a brand new believer in Jesus? Wouldn't that be just the way to celebrate a beautiful Sunday morning? Okay? So we're going to take a, a moment to just pause and reflect. And we could do that now. Thank you. Don't put up your hand, but how many of you are bothered by the silence? Okay. Jesus, on the night that he was with his disciples, they were celebrating the Passover meal. And the Passover meal has many, many elements, elements to it. But Jesus took two really important elements and reframed them in a really powerful way. He took the bread and he broke it and he said something really profound he said this is my body broken for you and when he took that bread he said subsequently to that he said eat this in remembrance of me let's eat this together Now, this may be contrary to many of you who have always looked at communion and when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, that we often think to the cross. And that's really important to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. But I happen to think the statement really reflects much, much, much more. It's a whole life transformation that what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the resurrection brings new life and transformative life to everyone who accepts Christ 
as Lord and Savior. And that our entire lives are no longer lived in the flesh. They're lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the indwelling of the Spirit that allows us to live a Christ-like life, to put away the things of the flesh, and to be renewed each and every day. And I think at the heart of it, mostly, that's, that's what Jesus is getting at. It's just not a remembrance of this event that happened. It's about what that event brings into our lives. And subsequently to that, he took the cup. And it's the cup of redemption. That's part of the Passover meal. It's the third cup of four cups that are part of a Passover. And Jesus took that third cup and he said, this cup of redemption that we're going to drink is now the new covenant in my blood given for you. That Jesus now became the perfect sacrifice. And as the book of Hebrews says, it is a once for all sacrifice that no longer would the priests have to go day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out and sacrifice animals. That the one sacrifice of Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And it's a once for all that we can gather together so many thousand years later and praise Jesus for the ultimate sacrifice that he made for us. So he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. As you go out this morning, you can throw the, uh, the empty cups and that in the garbage that we have on the back entrance. But I want to I pray. I hope you've been touched by this message today. <clears throat> you know, and I'm, I, I need to say something. I'm personally being challenged by the wisdom books. You know, I've taught these books for years at the college and seminary. And it's like, I'm, I, you know, putting these messages together. Um, is challenging me all over again. And I've had to make some life decisions about how I'm living my own life in light of what we're learning. And I hope that you are being challenged too in a brand new way because these are such powerful truths um, that, that Jesus brought to life through his own ministry. Amen? Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and I know we're looking at just one section of the wisdom books and then particularly Proverbs, but, oh, Lord, we're learning so much. I'm learning so much. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless someone today, that you would move us closer in the direction of worship and faith in you. Thank you for the life of Jesus. He, he was recognized as a wise sage just from his posture and everything that he taught, even though we know he was much, much more as, you know, the Savior that came into the world, the, the, the incarnate Son of God, second person of the Trinity, and God incarnate. And, and yet, Lord, he brought these beautiful truths to life for each and every one of us.
So Lord, uh, I pray again that uh, someone would uh, grow their faith deeper because of what they've heard today. And we thank you for the way that you continue to be faithful to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.